Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a uh, gaslighting comedian talks to a relationship therapist slash sexologist. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a new term each week. Yeah, do that because it was toxic. Now it's gaslighting. We'll go with manipulative next week. <laughs> if I talked, I think I was talking to Jordan on on the other podcast, but I was reading this book about uh, chimpanzee behavior. Oh, and that. one of them, um, the 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 non-alpha chimps, uh, but the a, a sort of younger male chimp who was caught fucking one of the other chimpanzee women, female chimpanzees. <laughs> Good start. Good scientific terminology here. Um, he didn't want to get in a fight again with one of the big alpha adult chimps, so he would fake an injury every time he'd walk past the so the big funny. guy, uh, which is a form of emotional manipulation. I feel bad for me. Look, I, I'm hurt. I love that. You can't hurt me. I'm hurt. Wow. Isn't that funny how... It's, it's nature to be manipulative. <laughs> Just like us, it mm. is in our nature. Actually, I heard a interesting kind of animal person psychology fact that humans are the only animal. I don't know how accurate this is, by the way, mm. but just make that a bit. It's a bit bent. There we go. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry. Apparently, humans are the only animal that ignore their gut instinct and don't act on their gut instinct. So if something well. kind of brings up danger. In your body as an animal, you like quickly, immediately leave. As a human, you'll be like, he's not that bad. Like, but he did this or this happened and then you justify yeah. it. So We're also by far the most successful animal yeah. <laughs> throughout the history of this the This goddamn neocortex so that we've developed, yeah. Maybe that's a good thing that we don't yeah. listen to our gut as much as we otherwise would. That's a, you know what? I like to think that the human experience is a blessing, the good and the bad. It's an exciting journey. We get to experience a range of emotions. I, I agree. I just, I don't know if I'd say it that way, but. <laughs> That's how I just reframe shitty times to myself. I'm like, you know what? Like if I didn't have these shitty times, I wouldn't have those amazing times. I'm a, a privileged to be able to experience mm. this. You got to roll with the punches. Yeah. That's the way I'd say Literally, it. I had to roll bro, with the punches. Bro, you just got to roll with the punches, bro. Yeah. And then and then you'll get in the next round and, um, you know, hit hit right back. And then you'll win the fight. Or even if you don't win the fight, the fight. you, you would have put in a good fight. And that's what matters. It's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Wow. And get back up again. That's deep. Sylvester Stallone. Oh, I thought that was just you. <laughs> no, that's the most famous <laughs> boxing quote ever. Okay, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it was Sylvester. Anyway. Anyway. What were we talking about on the last podcast? The ick. The, has anything given you the ick since, <laughs> since we filmed No, it? but I remember that an ex-girlfriend said something about uh, we were, we were having drinks and then she was saying something about how much she hated Donald Trump. And then, um, I can't remember if I sort of cheekily said, Oh, what would you do if I said I was a Trump supporter or something like that? And, or if she brought it up somehow, but what she did say is like, Oh, if, if you like Trump, I'd probably walk out right now. Mm. She wasn't joking though. So, and I thought, look, I'm not a Trump supporter, but. I don't like people who box people in and who straw man um, political arguments 
and their ideological opponents. And that is actually a huge, it's an intellectual turnoff for sure. What if the situation was that she had said something like, if you told me that you support, uh, support, support the laws on abortion that make it impossible for a woman to receive an abortion, mm-hmm. I'd be so turned off if you supported that. Women's rights, women's bodies, I would just leave you. Would you still have that reaction or do you think it was because of the situation, like the con- the context of I, the initial one? I think it was primarily contextual. Yeah, because it wasn't the like The way it. she said it and mm-hmm. it was very dismissive. And again, it's not like I'm a Trump supporter at all, but I like to unpack why did the Trump phenomenon even occur? You know? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I mean the by your hands up I by speak. your head. Yeah, there you go. My hand, <laughs> me and my head again. Why was he so popular? Was he a symptom or was he a cause? Um, Why did people support him? Why did people, why did, you know, quite literally, even in the last election, 70 million people voted for him. Honestly, it's something that I really struggle to understand. And when I've asked people to explain it to me, I can, I still don't really understand. Like, I just love to know, like, it makes sense why some people would support him, but I just can't figure out why that vast majority of people were supporting him. Anyway. Not sure. I'm not mm. I'm not too big on politics, so I'll just I think a huge reason is that people just hate what they see as the liberal elites that are talking down to them and right. feel they're responsible for their uh, working conditions and general standard of living getting a lot worse. And then mm. there's just sort of constant cultural policing of everything. Uh, the, the 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 continually moving goalposts. And I look, I empathise with that. I don't think you should base a political vote on that, but I definitely tend to agree with a lot of that. Yeah. But um, it's a lot more nuanced than that and we're not going to break down, you know, I would be the, literally the culture the of US politics <laughs> to talk about this, this podcast. Um, but we've got a good question, actually. We've got one uh, from M. Although, does he mind if we... I feel like we shouldn't just to be safe. Okay, to be Let's safe, we won't. We'll, we'll just call him M. Matt. People, if you Matt, say M, Matt's people are going to think it's name. Emily. Well, so what if so they do think it's Emily? It's, it's it may M. get confusing. Let's okay, just it's, say a, it's Matt. a male. Although, is that problematic to assume that? I don't know. It's a male. It's, it's, <laughs> he's a male. <laughs> they are a male. Oh, fuck's sake. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Neil and Eliza. Oh, look, he's, he's put his name in the in the question, okay, so we should... Well, okay, well, fine, just do it. Hi, Neil and Eliza. My name is Mitch, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. I hope you are both doing well. Thank you, Mitch. I semi-recently, a couple of months ago, left a pretty unhealthy relationship. I found myself developing feelings for a female friend, and after having a few too many beers one night, told her about these feelings. We had a chat that night about it, and she said she did have some feelings for me too. However, during a recent chat... One week after the initial confession, she said that she believes that my feelings are a subconscious rebound attempt. I understood where she's coming from and want to respect her decision, but at the same time, she has hinted at liking me back and I do feel quite strongly about her. The last thing I want to do is lose her completely, both romantically and as a friend. At what point can I start to feel confident that these are genuine feelings and how do I go about potentially discussing this with her? P.S. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Mitch. All that money going straight to charity. So well done, Mitch. You're a good man. So he's gotten gotten a bit drunk, had a few beers and confessed his love. 
well, told told this female <laughs> friend that he has feelings for her. I don't know if he confessed the love, but uh, he's also just gotten out of an unhealthy relationship. And then she's responded with, oh, this is just a subconscious rebound attempt. Now, we actually did read this question before, and I was, as I was telling Eliza, that triggers, that's, that's such a trigger for me when someone else is like, oh, this is why you're thinking that, or this is why you said that. Yes. You don't know if it's a subconscious rebound attempt or not. Why are you analyzing him? But then at the same time, she might be um, hesitant because she's seen him just be in this relationship for so long. So she might be sort of almost putting a little bit of a wall up by saying, oh, look, maybe I do really like you, but I do, I'm just too worried that this might be a rebound attempt. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was when we had also talk, read this out and we had another like little disagreement on it where you said, no, it wasn't a disagreement, it was hmm. like whatever. And you were, I can't remember what it was that you said and you were like maybe um, he should just leave it for a few weeks and see if she changes her mind or something. Do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember if that was the last one or, or the question before that, but I was saying, oh, uh, if you sometimes try and force things, yes, it can make things worse. Were, but then yeah. you said, uh, she's she's asking. testing. She's yeah. she wants him to. She wants to see how she's much getting he really does like her. Yeah, and that just threw another spanner in the works. So, so, Mitch, from a female perspective, I truly believe her saying that isn't like a oh maybe we shouldn't. She's really just seeking reassurance um and she's wanting you to convince her so that she feels comfortable going further into your relationship if you say um that you have feelings for her that she can say well it's not because of his ex it's not because he's so lonely blah 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 it's because he wants me so she, she just kind of wants you to mm. get that message in a little bit more solid the thing with something like that is there really could be instances where someone has just put up a boundary a healthy boundary and you might then interpret that as, oh, no, she just wants me to prove how much I, I'm in love with her and show how deep my feelings really are. And then you actually start becoming obsessive and problematic because uh, you yeah. are going against the boundary that she's put up. And so I've just had, personally, I've had experiences similar to that. And I know a lot of men who've, who've had that. So I guess I'm I'm sort of projecting the cautious route here and mm. and possibly saying look if, if this is what she said and she's in she's unsure and she she thinks that you may be having a subconscious rebound attempt i would just not completely leave it but but send her a message or, or talk to her briefly don't do an incredible romantic gesture or anything like that and say look these are the feelings i do have for you i don't think it's a subconscious rebound attempt or tell her the truth if you if you think yeah. it might be tell her the truth but uh, I would like to pursue something with you, but if th that is how you feel, I will respect that. And I just want you to know that these are my genuine feelings. Um, but I, it's it's confusing if someone is sort of subconsciously uh, or implicitly um, asking you to to show how much you really do care about them because you just you you don't know if that's actually the case. Yeah. If well, you know what I'm saying. The thing is, though, is that she's not, if she had said something like, look, I'm not comfortable with this or I just want some more time because you're so fresh out of relationship. Mm. I feel I probably have a little bit more of the, okay, respect that, show, tell your feelings, respect that, and then stand back a little bit, put the ball on her court. Mm. But because she's just said, he's said he's got feelings, she's indicated she has feelings for him too, and then only said, 
Um, I'm just worried that it's because you've come out of a relationship. This is a subconscious rebound. I feel like her saying she hasn't stated she wants space, that she doesn't want to enter a relationship, and she's indicated she had feelings for him too. I feel like she's kind of saying, I'm willing to go into this with you, but I don't want to get my heart broken. I don't want to Mm. get invested in this if you're just going to want to decide oh, I'm newly single, I want to go, you know, have sex and experience dating women where then I fall in love with you kind of thing. Mm. So I think that's the reassurance she wants to know is without, she probably doesn't want to come across as like intense or clingy or too too overwhelming by wanting to say like, is this going to be an exclusive thing? Like, are you just going okay. to want to kiss me or fuck me and then, and then leave it there because we're attracted to each other. Because she might, it sounds like she has genuine feelings for him and she doesn't want to get hurt. Mm. That's the interpretation I get. That, that, that's a very fair point. She did actually say, say well, well, he said that she hinted at having feelings for him. Now that's where. Girls are subtle though. Mm. Women are subtle I know. when it comes to I, yeah, but speaking about men feelings. Men also will interpret a lot of things as someone having feelings for them when it might actually yeah. not be. So just ask I'm her. just, yeah, I'm maybe taking a bit of a cautious route here. Yeah. The thing is, is like. I'm not, yeah, and, and, and I just want to add, I'm not saying don't don't just yeah. leave it, but I, I'd i just be upfront and, and, and yeah. not be overly intense with the way you maybe express your desire with what you're looking for. Yeah, but 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 be truthful as well. Yeah, and just I think it's also important in these situations because I get so many messages with questions like this, Hmm. and I can't analyze, and neither can you, I guess, the reasoning or thought processes behind Mitch or the other girl at any point. And it's also not up to Mitch to figure out this whole situation on his own. So, Mitch, you can kind of throw the ball in her court a little bit. Give her some accountability and ask her, what would you like? Like, what what, what do you want? This is how this is where I'm at. I'm willing to explore this. So I'd love to take you on a date. Let me know what you want. Hmm. Rather than being like, no, come on. Like, it's okay. I have feelings for you. Don't worry about this previous relationship. Like, it's all good. Please come on a date with me. Don't set that to be the tone of your relationship where you're seeking her affection out. You just say, look, I feel like I've moved on from my relationship. I no longer, you know, I'm impacted by the breakup of my relationship. I've really just come to peace with that. I'm happy with where I'm at. I'd love to explore dating with you or go on a date with you. Let me know what you think. There's a big difference in how you set the tone. It's yeah, really important. I, I agree with that. Yeah. That's that's a really good way of expressing it. Yeah, because you can always have the danger. Like setting the tone is a really interesting aspect because when you do this chasing thing, um, it can almost become awkward when you're not chasing. Like I have a, a friend who is, which I disagree with, but she's so brutally sarcastic to men. Mm. He'll someone Someone will message her. And be like, hey, what are you up to? And she'll be like, busy, working, getting disturbed by you, whatever. And then he'll be like, oh, righto then, then don't reply. And then she'll be like, don't give me attitude. And like, they're kind of like flirting or whatever. And they're both having fun. But then they, I don't see how she could take that step to then being romantic and mushy when their entire like conversations 24-7 is just being like, ew, that's disgusting. Or your face is ugly, but really they both are flirting and want each other. Like, I don't... So she does want the guy yeah, and like him but and she's, she's saying, she's shutting him down and he's loving it. By you. He's constantly messaging her over and over and again and is they're it, just fighting. Is it I'm being, I'm busy being disturbed by you, wink face? 
No. No, it's just like, I'm busy I'll being disturbed by you, full just, stop. It's so brutal. And he'll be like, how was your day or Damn. whatever. And then- um, It's a big shit test, isn't it? He'll be like, I went and did this. I went to the park. I saw this cute dog. And she'll be like, cool story. <laughs> just then mm. nothing else. And Some I'm people like, are this like poor that, guy. But when, she, when she's with other people, like with me, she'll send me these beautiful messages being like, Eliza, like you've taught me so much. I'm so grateful for I've met you. You're such a beautiful person. Like what? With men, she's ice cold, ice cold, mm. like just will not give them the time of day. Maybe it's a sort of subconscious shit test that she's putting out there to yeah. see, to test his metal. Yeah. How offended does he get? Yeah, but she likes that. She's obviously wants someone that can handle her sassiness or whatever. But then I think how will she kind of, allow herself then to come to this romantic like it's up to him he's gotta he's gotta it's not get that out of her like i don't think he will i think that she'll she'll always feel awkward because that's that's set the tone of their relationship like Mm, that's an interesting one we'll come back to this but the whole that modern idea of like the sassy bad bitch yeah i don't know how i feel about that i don't really I feel like it's almost sometimes a, a a coping mechanism to deal with maybe insecurity or a time where someone's been hurt in the past. And so, okay, I'm going to put on this facade where I'm the bad bitch so I hurt people before they hurt me. You've literally nailed it on the head. That's exactly well, the okay. reason. Yeah. And yeah. That's I, her experience. You can, you can kind of see through that sometimes. Mm. I think some people are just authentically very self-confident and, and mm. are just direct and sometimes bland with their messages, but some people are compensating. In the same way, I think if a guy is putting on this uh, facade of uh, what I guess could be described as toxic masculinity or the Mm. I'm the bad boy, I'm the alpha, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I just fucked her. Like, I don't even fucking care, bro. Like, I never texted her back. It's like, all right, dude, who hurt you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what happens with this girl and these guys is that he he misinterprets her sassiness as a this is like a kink thing. So he'll be oh, like, oh, I was gonna say no. He, that's what he's just thinking. Disinterest. She, she's trying to indicate she's disinterested because I think she subconsciously is wanting him to pursue it and kind of bring out a romantic side, being like, hey, yeah. I actually am really attracted to you. I'd love to take you. I think that's what she's seeking. Mm. But he, from the men's perspective, he's like, oh, you're a little sassy minx. You need to be put in your place. Like that's how he's perceived. Yeah, this no, is what okay. the game we're playing is. Like I see yeah. how it is because why does she keep messaging me and like all this stuff? Um, so then she's like, no, fuck you. Like. Piece of shit. Which was just reaffirmed. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. she's really kinky. Yeah, but, but then she won't. Then she's <laughs> over it. Then she, No, she's turned off by that. Like, she's like, no, I don't want it. Well, as soon as he kind of says that. But, yeah, but it is interesting. That's the um, the constant seesawing of yeah. something like flirtation. You can never be explicit with what you say. It's so Everything hard. has to be implied. Yeah. Everything has to be subtle in the subtext, yeah. in the delivery. It's so, actually an art in many ways. When she sent me these screenshots, I kind of want to get them up. Because when she sent them to me, I was like, oh, my God, you're flirting with him so much. And she was like, ew, are you joking? He's disgusting. And I was like, why do you message him every day then? And like, And literally one time she literally messaged him being like, so you're taking me on a date or what? And I was like, why do you say you're not flirting? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. What did she, when you said, why are you messaging him? What did she say? She didn't, I didn't say that. I just said, you're definitely flirting and this sounds oh, kinky. I like toying with him. Is that, I 
maybe her response maybe that's maybe that's what's happening she's just seeking power she's trying to you know redeem her power over men or something or mm. like feel powerful i'll show you it afterwards and you'll <laughs> it's it's funny bless her mm. yeah this is the same friend that um extorted that i talked about a couple podcasts she extorted oh, someone for money <laughs> the married man for money Damn. <laughs> so she, she's got that queen what? sass energy <laughs> the cardi b queen queen sass energy yeah she's a gemini bad bitch doesn't take shit from a man no hmm. no but sometimes i just like what's um, the difference between a bad bitch and just a bitch well, I think I think a bad <laughs> bitch is someone that's like, I know my boundaries, I know my, you know, what's gonna kind of be okay and what's not gonna be okay. And I'm gonna be respectful to everyone as a person. Like I'll give you the time of day, I'll talk to you, but when you cross that I'll I'll leave it. I think then a bitch is just someone that someone's like, Hey, how's your day? And she'll be like, Fuck off, you ugly piece of shit. Like that kind of <laughs> then you've added the word bad to it, which would imply that it's even worse than the bitch. But then sometimes girls call each other bitch in an endearing way yeah. and that's what a bad bitch is a bad bitch is someone that's like we would say like that's inspiring like you're a bad bitch good on you but if you're just like you're a bitch it's different it's offensive mm. but but sometimes that's defense accurate. mechanism yeah people yeah. really and the core of you know i think everyone is is a kind empathetic human being but yeah uh, things happen in their life and then they develop sort of personality traits that are our defense mechanisms to cope with that. Exactly. Every behavior has a meaning. Every single behavior mm -hmm. has a meaning. So next time you see someone's kids kicking off or thinking a child's a brat, remember that as well. Mm. So anyway, sorry, Mitch. Side it's note. Okay. But <laughs> you just, <laughs> just embodied Mitch there and you're like, that's okay. Anyway, um, wait. What? Why was I embodying him by saying? When, were you just responding to him being like, "I said sorry, Mitch," and you were like, "That's okay." Oh, because he's a <laughs> right, so he's not putting his foot down. What? I don't get it. No. What are you saying? I meant. Oh, I feel like we're going too far into this. I was like saying sorry, Mitch, because we went off on a tangent, and you answered as Mitch. It sounded like oh being right, like, right, right, that's right, right, okay. Right. Oh no, because I was thinking I was saying like that's okay because we're gonna come back to. I guess I just didn't say <laughs> the rest of the sentence. <laughs> Too much internet. Uh, um, but Mitch, the last thing he said, I think it was like about like how can you know if your feelings are genuine or how you're genuinely ready, things like that. No one's gonna be able to determine that whether than you. Like if you're thinking about your ex and your ex is on your mind all the time and you're still impacted by your previous relationship. Then you know you're not ready. Sometimes I will say men get in this trap where they just never get over their ex. Yeah. <laughs> and well, everyone does. Everyone does. No, but especially I, men. Yeah, especially yeah. men. And they just never get over them. And maybe you do just have to jump in and say, look, maybe I'm still thinking about my ex a little bit, but yeah. I do, I can also see yeah. that I have feelings for this other person. And then as yeah. that love intensifies, that yeah. will help you get over your ex. Now, the, mm. the problem with something like that is, Yes, it could be actually a subconscious. Uh, what is what did what did he say? She th thought it was subconscious rebound. So, what you found a, a turn off, or what what you didn't like about your ex, as soon as you see the antithesis to that in someone else, wow, I'm so attracted to this person because my ex never. Um, was always mean to me and never respected my opinions. This person respects my opinion, so I'm yeah. going to ignore everything else about them. <gasps> I, I found what I was looking for. 
you know. Literally. And so you've got to be wary of that. But I know I'm saying do these two things, but you don't be this guy who, you know, five years later, oh, I fucked up. You, you do have to move on eventually. Yes, let it go. She'll be there's a good chance she'll be over you within five years. Like it is very interesting how it can take a lot longer for men to move on. And I truly think it's because by stereotype and by, you know, just assumptions, they don't talk about it as much as women do. Like when we have a breakup, we're on the phone, we're messaging about it in the group chat, everything, we're getting so much support. And we're also getting a lot of like, you know, when you're single and things like you get a lot of external validation coming through often as mm. as a woman. So it makes things like say like, okay, actually there's opportunities, there's there's good things here. Whereas sometimes by the stereotype of a man, he may not be having people message him. He might not he might be this is most purely definitely certain. not. Someone's no one's there to cook for him. No one's there to actually give him compliments. Like some men haven't been hugged in three weeks or haven't been complimented in three weeks. Those kind of things. More than that. Yeah. You know the uh I agree with that to some degree. Um, I also think nowadays men are talking about that sort of stuff yeah. a lot more, at least in my social circle. That's good. But I don't know if um, this is just this sort of modern idea that if men just talked about their feelings more, it would help them get over things. Now, there's a certain truth to that. A lot of mm. men bottle things up. But for a lot of men, a, a girlfriend or a wife or, or a partner is is a huge part of meaning for their mm. lives. It's, it's purpose for them. So... They lose that. They lose the purpose. They lose their meaning. So they uh, internalize the idea that they're a failure. I failed. Yeah. I fucked up, which is, you know, that's I've said stuff like that and you can't really avoid that. Mm-hmm. And something like that is a lot harder to get over than just a heartbreak because you're dealing with the heartbreak, but also you've internalized this idea that you've failed and you've mm-hmm. messed up, which could be true. You could have messed up mm-hmm. and you've got to accept that and, and learn from it and move on. You know what? I don't know if I mentioned this two podcasts ago, but that book I was reading called The The End of Marriage. What a God, oh. what a confronting um, title. The End of Marriage, Why Monogamy Isn't Working. First of all, of course I read that book. Classic. <laughs> this was written in the late uh, 1980s, so sort of as third wave feminism was coming about and it was a psychologist um now this is confronting she said the reason she had a lot of interesting ideas the reason men uh cope so poorly with breakups in comparison to women on average is that so it takes some ideas of you know modern toxic masculinity in that from a very young age we're socialized to not show our feelings and to not be feminine and it also takes some ideas from, you know, Freudian psychology, which is that we are in love with our mother and we're jealous of our father and we actually are resentful of, first of all, our mother and, and other women because they're able to express their femininity and express their mm-hmm. nurturing, caring, kind side and we have to suppress that. So we get this sort of, it may be similar to that Madonna mm-hmm. Hall complex almost mm-hmm. as that, like, I- I'm in love with you because you embody everything that I've missed out on. Yeah. So that's why men are so attracted to extremely feminine mm-hmm. features because that is what they're missing out on. That is what they don't have to, com- to complete that full mm-hmm. human picture. Um, and that's maybe why men who exhibit a very extreme um, manifestations of what you could call m- masculinity are much more attracted to women who are 
higher in, you know, traditional feminine features. Yes. And so when a man loses his partner, he loses that part of himself that yes. for so long he was that. never allowed to express, mm-hmm. he was never allowed to have, and that's why it's so much harder. And there's a certain similarity that does come about when women also lose, I guess, that masculine side that they were never allowed to express. Um, but it's not as pronounced because there are other outlets for them to have that, yes. especially m- more modern women who might have a career and might have uh, other other areas of their life where they uh, are, are leading mm. and are strong. Mm. Uh, but for men, that is why they struggle so much with the loss of a marriage and a, a loss of a um, romantic partner. They've lost not only someone they cared about, but they are a part of themselves. That is actually just a really innate to to human happiness and contentment. Now, I don't know if I fully agree with it because there are a lot of other parts of this book that ooh, they were sometimes challenging to read actually, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting take. I love that theory. I haven't heard much about it. It makes sense. It w- I don't think it would be the reason for all, but I definitely think it would be an underlying factor how how much of that factor if it's three percent or 97 percent will change and i just want to add one other thing because everyone Mm -hmm. says oh you always mention these books and then you know actually so this one's called the end of marriage it's by dr julia hafner yeah wow hafner hafner i'm not sure but it was written in the late 80s it was yeah i saw it on my in my uh, parents bookshelf and i thought this is my (laughs) i need to read this (laughs) i love when the relationship podcast got to read this And That's then I showed so my friend Daniel and he just laughed. Like, yeah, of course you'd read this. The end of it. Even though I'm in a monogamous relationship now. Okay, but. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing well. <laughs> That's very early days. <laughs> that sounds so cynical. Sounded grim. No, I was thinking. He's thinking. So I thought it was very early days. I didn't say it in a pessimistic way. I just. Yeah, it's all about the tone, isn't it? Yeah. It but. Is. um. Yeah, that's anyway, interesting. Yeah, that was uh, I, I. I really found that compelling. Again, I'm not sure whether I entirely agree with it, because she also had some very sort of contentious, well, points that I thought were relying on sort of contentious uh, anthropological evidence, which actually contrasts some other things that I've read. So I'm not sure if she's sort of just using a bit of confirmation bias there, which I'm sure every author does to some degree. Um, mm. There were certain things about early civilization that I hadn't. I don't know if it's entirely true. Right. Um, not that I'm an expert, but it's just based on other books that I've read. Um, but interesting read, The End of Marriage. I want to read it. It's I, I kind of wonder though as well, you know, that with women in particular, that there's an interesting kind of factor about how we sell ourselves on the fantasy of our relationship mm. and that we kind of marry that fantasy as in, um we're committed to like i'm thinking of i'm gonna have kids i'm gonna have a husband i'm gonna get this house blah 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 or whatever it is that you do or we're gonna travel the world together we're gonna make a business together and that when you break up sometimes it's what takes longest to end and get over this relationship is grieving the fantasy of what your relationship was going to become um and that for women when you meet someone else, you're much more likely to meet someone else, someone new, someone faster and get this new fantasy up in your imagination really quick kind of thing so it can help. You know, they, there's a reason why people say the best way to get over someone else is to get under someone. <laughs> Look, yes, that can be taken to an unhealthy degree. So but be I, careful I do with agree. that. Yeah. But. Um, I was going to say something. Like that. Yeah, the, the, you know what I was just thinking about as you were talking there is that 
there's that fantasy or I might say it's it's a narrative associated yeah. with the with the relationship and first of all you're grieving the loss of the relationship as well as that person mm. when when the breakup happens but would you would you say that when um a woman has come out of a marriage there's maybe a little bit more of a positive narrative that we would generally associate with that like oh you've you're free now you know you've gotten rid of this asshole guy you've uh you can live your own life. You can be independent now. So there's some sort of positive characteristics to that generalized societal narrative. Whereas for a man, it's never like, oh, you've, you're free now. You've gotten out of it. It's, yeah, you fucked up. You're the deadbeat dad. You failed. Yeah, in some degrees, yes. But I think that kind of comes back to like what I was saying about how, you know, when women talk to other women, they move on from things. When a man leaves a relationship, a lot of people will think, He's going to be really lonely. He's going to have no one to talk to. He's not going to do all these things because she used to drag him to their weekly bike ride. She used to do yeah. this. Like she was pushing him. That's why they say men, when they're married, they live longer because they have a woman saying, go to the doctor, do this, like kind of thing. And they're meeting their social needs much more. Um, like when I think about someone like Adrian, who's so introverted that if he wasn't talking to me every day, I'm sure he would go half the week just literally not saying a word to anyone ever. Um, mm. And, well, he's been single for – he's only had, like, one relationship and he's been happy his whole life, whatever, and that's it. But for some people that are like that, they might be like, oh, my God, I've gone four days and I haven't spoken to a soul kind of thing outside of work yeah. or had a single message or messaged anyone. So I think that that can be a big part of it. And some women do get so impacted – by breakups because their role was I was going to have mm. a baby and I was going to do this and I thought he was the one and I'll never find anyone like him and they sell themselves on that it's all about the narrative I think that you say after your breakup like mm. I know I'm extremely good with breakups and I've Sounds always like are, yeah. <laughs> I've always moved on from breakups real quick and been totally fine because the narrative I always tell myself is like it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I learned what I needed to learn from this relationship. He was a lovely person and we were just supposed to be in our lives for that amount of time. And and an advi advice um, I could offer some, some men who may be going through a, an arduous breakup is meditate on it and give yourself a different narrative about yeah. why the breakup occurred. Because yeah. I know what I always do is, oh, I fucked up and I failed. And no, look, you have to analyze it. And if you did make mistakes, say to yourself, oh, look, I won't make those mistakes again. But rather than saying, I fucked up, I'm a failure. All right, I've learned from that. I've learned from that. It's going to make me a better boyfriend in my next relationship. Exactly. You've got to try and spin a positive narrative around yeah. it and then keep telling yourself that. You just have to. I remember when I broke up with my ex, someone said to me, like, you idiot, you just let go of the best thing that you ever happened to you because you would never find a better father, a better partner because he was really lovely. Did, did he say that? No, one of my friends did. And Ooh, maybe um, she likes him. No, no, it wasn't like that. It was just he was just a really good person and mm. no one could ever really say a bad thing about him ever. And it's hard when you break up with someone, people will automatically take that person's side when if there hasn't been a cheating or something like that like i think that happened people were taking his side being like oh she's gone and fucked his life over because she broke up with him and he didn't even do anything so that that was kind of hard but when when that was said to me i really i kind of like 
didn't rationalize and reframe or do anything in my head. I just sat with that and I was so heartbroken for like a day thinking, oh my God, I fucked up so bad. Like, and it kind of showed to me that's the mindset that a lot of people do have after they break up. They're like, I'm not going to find someone that's going to be do this for me like he did. I'm not going to find someone that's going to raise my children like he could have or whatever. And Mm. I had those thoughts for like, I don't know, like. 12 hours and I was so devastated and then I woke up the next morning and I was like okay we broke up for a reason like I may not know the reason (laughs) as much as as strongly as I want to but I gotta trust myself I gotta trust my gut and um now I do feel like I know the reasons Mm. and I'm so glad it happened it's amazing how something as simple as uh, creating a narrative surrounding an event in your life can just dramatically change the course of your life yes over the next couple of months and that could then eventually change it forever. I mean, it, it, it's really incredible. Mm. Um, exactly. It's, it's like the power God. of manifestation as well. Yeah. I started manifesting and I wake up early and then that, that woman came and started flirting with <laughs> my boyfriend. Go. So now I wake up oh, early geez. so she doesn't. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the universe kind of fulfilled that in a bad way. It's interesting with um with the person doing the breaking up because I see a lot of things with some of the pages I follow and I always get triggered by, you know, social media relationship advice because it's so tailored. It's almost like the fast food of relationship psychology. It's, hey, you're feeling bad about something that's happened in a relationship. Here's a little Instagram story to to, to just momentarily make you feel good. It's, It's literally psychological alcohol it's not actually helping you in any way and one i saw the other day was uh you know you should never feel guilty for um or you should never feel like a bad person for uh ending something if you feel like it wasn't you know for you now i I agree but at the same time you have to also accept that if you are the person doing the breaking up and that person well loves you i'm assuming that if it's a long-term relationship yeah you are going to hurt them and you've got to take some like, responsibility yeah, for that. Exactly. You can't say, oh, I'm going to you know, be void of all responsibility yeah. for breaking this person's heart. And I do think mm-hmm. when you agree to get into a long-term relationship with someone, you are basically accepting this sort of you know, mental contract that, mm. okay, we're going to care for each other now and I accept based on who I can see that you are from the limited time we've been seeing each other, we're exactly. compatible and... Mm-hmm. When people, especially sudden breaks up, breakups, yeah. I feel like those are really the cruel. Worst, yeah. Now, again, there's other circumstances that can be at play. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. But when someone very suddenly, no, nah, we're done. I don't want to see you anymore. And and then they don't want to handle the consequences of what they've occurred, of what they've caused, yeah. which is I don't want to even talk to you anymore. I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying that the breakup wasn't justified. I'm not saying you're a bad person, but this sort of, mantra of you should never feel any form of guilt whatsoever i'm not saying you should feel guilty but there should be some analysis okay why did it get to that point where you felt like you had to suddenly break up with them out of nowhere and then not be able to uh, confront the um, emotional consequences of that analyze it so that at least hopefully if you get into it when or if you get into another relationship you can deal with it maybe in a more mature way it's much harder for the person that's been broken up with to deal with that and kind of come to getting closure and acceptance of a relationship when it happens completely out of the blue. Like it's much 
much more challenging. My last three relationships that have ended, we've lived together post-breakup and that's been beautiful. It's been wonderful. Even my last one, um, I told him uh, maybe like six weeks before we broke up, I told him like, I've been having some really weird feelings about our relationship. I don't know where they're coming from. Like, what do you want to do about this? Should we kind of try like hash it out a little bit? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we spent a couple of weeks trying to work on it. It wasn't really working. And then he was like, let's try create a little bit of distance. Maybe that'll help. So he stayed with his parents for a bit. And then in the last like week or two, he came back and I, that's when I said in my last podcast, I woke up one morning, I was like, I just can't do it. And I spoke to him and I said, this is how I'm feeling. Like I genuinely at this moment, I don't know what's going on for me. I don't know if it's a me thing or you think I don't sure what's happening, but in this time I can't be in a relationship. So like, let's, let's talk about this together. Do we want to just end our relationship and come back together? Like, or put, put it in a break or step back for a few weeks and try work on it. Or should we end this now and try to move on? And if the universe brings us together in the future, so be it. And he was like, I can't be with you knowing that you're not like invested and in love with me. I think it's better we break up. And I was like, I agree. So we both kind of came to that conclusion together. And it was quite similar for my last the ones before that as well, where we, it was literally a discussion. Like I wasn't like, that if you say really no. <laughs> healthy. That sounds really yeah. healthy. That sounds good. I think easing out of something like yeah. that is the best way to do it. Yeah. And again, there are other circumstances where someone could have just done something so horrendous. You don't even want to face them. You just yeah. want to, it's done, fuck yeah. you kind of. Even then though, I, I really don't like the idea of a sudden, Yeah. Um, unless it's, you know, genuinely abusive. I, I think yeah. you should always try and ease out of something like that. Well, I think that, and knowing myself, I get very swept up in what people say to me and like words of like romance and things like that. So I know that if I broke up with someone immediately and then yeah. two days later, he was saying, spouting all this beautiful stuff, I'd probably just go back to him. Like, and I've never, I'm always so against like, Never go back after you break up unless you, it's been like months of reflection or whatever. So I really think that by having that kind of transition out of our relationship, it wasn't so cold turkey that all of a sudden I was like, but wait, I miss him. Like I need him. I fucked up where I run back to them. It was kind of like we were sitting in this. We've broken up. We're not kissing, touching, holding hands or anything. We're sleeping in separate rooms, but we're still within each other's space. So it's not such a stark kind of contrast like not so confronting it's kind of then you just separate more and more over time until one of you can move out well because then you're setting it up for um even more uh intense yeah uh events because if there's this sort of you know um emotional think of it as i guess a, a sort of emotional graph where within that relationship that determines that and then Mm. suddenly that's just taken away well then the other person is going to react in a very probably going to do things like that exactly uh extreme emotional um expressions and then that's going to then exacerbate how that other person feels and it's it's really messy so i think if you can sort of ease that line down Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that person is often someone that you go to every day to be like, how was your day? And how are you going? How are you going today? And it kind of like to just have that drop off is 
so sad to like you're losing your best friend as well and so being able to check in in your relationship and be like how are you going after like our breakup like the next day like are you feeling okay but also not doing things that are it's a very fine line like i do know that other people that have tried to do it the way i do it ends up being like this manipulation where they don't know where they stand because one of the persons saying like, you know how much I love you more than anything and I would have done anything for you and they were just sticking in this space to basically tell each other how much the other person did for them and it was very negative. Whereas me yeah, and my partners but- were very cautious not to say, like to treat it as though we're 100% broken up, which we were, and not to bring up those things again and again and again. But isn't that kind of natural? Yeah. If, if someone, if it's a long-term relationship, and someone said, "I don't, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't mm. want to do this anymore," mm. y- yeah, I, I, okay, you know, so many podcasts will talk about this, but yeah, at what point does it become manipulative if you're just expressing true emotions from who? From the person who's been broken up with. Oh, uh, I don't mean that. I think it's more of the the person that breaks up if they say things like, "You mean the world to me." Like, I love you more than anything. I just oh, need the to. Oh, ex- who did yeah, the breaking like up? Like, I need to just travel or, or find myself, and then it gives that person an opportunity, or or maybe feel pressure to try to convince them, being like, "No, no, no!" Like, please stay. Like you love me, like you're kind of giving them tiny breadcrumbs of hope. So you just have to be so careful about conversations that you have post-breakup because it can so easily fall into this realm where you reminisce on the good times and you end up in a relationship. Then you're together for two to four weeks and you break up and then you do it again. Like it's the worst. Once you break up, you break up. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I know a few couples like that. Yeah, (laughs) and it's so frustrating being the friend and hearing about it, and you're like, "Fuck again! Come on, (laughs) end it, or stay together. Just do one of them." Yeah. Have you had one of those relationships Mm. where you go back like ten times? Uh, no. Um, I'm trying to think. No, no, none where it's been like. Semi breakup and then another breakup and then this, this, this. there's some that have been a lot of ups and downs, mm-hmm. big fights and then yeah maybe people have said like oh, I don't know if we can even do this anymore but it was never a formal hey I'm breaking up with you yeah whenever that happens it's it's always been pretty definite <sighs> yeah I mean um, there was yeah there was one where there was a relationship that was very so I don't want to use that word. Oh, give me a synonym for toxic. Tumultuous. <laughs> Get tumultuous. There we go. Emotionally tumultuous. That's a much better way of <laughs> saying it because it was actually really good at times. And that, the breakup, I actually, it was coming. You could tell. And then um, she said something like, let's take a step back. And then I said, oh, no, just, let's just end it then. Yeah. Um, But the recent one was very, it was... Sudden on the phone, and then I went crazy, which made it worse. So that's why I'm like, don't do that. Give that person the respect to to do it in person. Yeah, I mean, said that. You know, like I said, there's other factors at play there, and that just makes people go crazy. Not that it it excuses bad behavior after you've broken up with someone. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, Not that I did anything that I would consider bad, Mm -hmm. but it just makes it messier. That's why if you can have a proper conversation during the breakup or a series of conversations, 
to allow that person to get the closure they need because there is nothing worse than going back six weeks later being like, I still don't have closure. And then there's this kind of subconscious reasoning where you rationalize in your mind, I need closure. So then you're finding ways to seek out that person again and it prolongs your healing process 10 times longer than it would have been if you just had closure initially and you could have said, okay, from, from this day I've been dumped, now I start healing kind of rather than being like, hang on a minute, this doesn't make sense for months and months and months. And then keep going back to the person who broke up with you being like, but what about this? Like, why did this happen? Like, just don't seek closure, honestly. Try get it. And if you don't have it, that's the closure. You, the closure you need is that you don't have closure. <laughs> yeah. So some of that yeah. social media advice is true. It's very simplistic, but it's true in the sense, all right, you can't determine your self-worth based on the actions and behavior of someone else. Yeah. Uh, if they've dealt with it in a way that you think is uh, mean, cruel, unfair you shouldn't internalize that and that's on them but it, again it's impossible to avoid the emotional consequences of that if you were so entwined with that person mm. so it, it's a tap dance there you, you you have to try and strive to like not worry about if, if they did it in a way that you disagree with or if um you all have done things that you think are you know eyebrow raising uh but again that sort of social media advice it's 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 easy to to read it and agree with it and say yeah that's true but to embody to it embody it and also mm-hmm. there's a there's a a, a a dark side of it where you you're not actually taking not full responsibility but a thorough analysis of the events that may have led up to a mm-hmm. breakup or to a failed relationship yeah. and if it's all just about you should never have to feel bad, you should never have to feel guilty, yeah. that's how it comes across. That's how it's a lot healthy. of this sort of, yeah. you know, what I would call pop relationship psychology comes across. You should never feel bad for anything yeah. that you've ever done and Don't you should never feel guilty. And this. You know, and, and it's it's not good. It's mm. it's it's really it's it's it is the equivalent of eating a burger or, you know, drinking a couple of beers because it gives you this little fleeting hit and then in a couple of weeks, a couple of months or a couple of years, you go through the same cycle again. Yeah. Nothing it, will actually change. You read a book. Don't look at an Instagram story. Yeah. It reminds me of this um, TikTok I saw of this woman that was saying like when her best friend is like, she'll be drinking a bottle of tequila and she'll finish the whole bottle. And then the friend will be like, you needed that. You had such a rough day. You deserve that. And then she goes and like mm. – slashes someone's tire and she and then the friend's like no you were teaching him a karmic lesson you were doing the the people (laughs) of new south wales a favor like you are his karma don't apologize for that like all this like kind of justifications and it's so funny how people use this to rationalize things in their head (laughs) well that comes down to the victim mindset doesn't Mm. it because it's not just in relationships it's uh some People don't want to, you know, actually try their best at making something out of their life and even holding down a job and they'd rather just sit there in a group of people than do drugs all day and, and, and uh, you know, take pride in how they're disrupting society because they think, well, the system's flawed and I'm hard done by because of these circumstances I've been born into, which may not be wrong, but you've also internalized this victim mindset and then you're justifying what is... I'd say quite universally objective bad behavior. Yeah. I think that if we're going to go by gender stereotypes, I think that men get um, the victim mindset because because of their ego. Can you put 
apologies because of their ego so they're like well fuck this like i'm better than this i'm above this doesn't matter so like that kind of thing i'm not going to take responsibility and women get the victim mindset because they're constantly getting validated by their peers as in their friends where they're like no don't worry don't you say that like that's not true like you're not a shit person like Mm. so what you treated on him people make mistakes and you have 10 people telling you that at once because you want to kind of like often women is drawn to like hashing out all of their problems with it within their circles um so we each kind of have our ways of maintaining ourselves as the victims but that's why it's like you know the moral of every single podcast we've ever done is just reflect <laughs> reflect internally yeah. on yourself and your own behaviors but both of those sounds like sound like they are ego driven though everything is ego driven <laughs> i think i don't I agree that there are definitely a lot of men that are like, I'm better than this. Fuck, you're mm. below me. And you get those messages where like, fine, you'll never get a fucking guy like me yeah. ever again. Although women will like, send that as well. You like, hope so. <laughs> yeah, you never, never get anyone as hot as me or whatever. <laughs> I think those yeah. messages are funny. <laughs> um, but uh, there's also a lot of men that will become a victim not based on their ego but based on what they see as a um, – unfair culture that we live in at the moment that oh it's so easy for girls then you know and it fucking sucks being a guy you nothing's ever right you know you can never do anything right and mm. all that sort of and, and it, look there is a conversation to be had there but you can you can pretty clearly yeah. see when someone's asking authentic questions mm. uh coming from a place of i guess curiosity or you know maybe you could say mild frustration but yeah but if you sort of use that as an all-encompassing fully enveloping worldview and it determines the 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 major parts of your identity and how you see yourself and how you see your place in the world seriously unhealthy it's it's really it's it's really bad and it actually leads to uh, a lot of very immoral actions Mm -hmm. because you can justify anything crime by saying well you know this person did this to me so i can steal from them yeah. I can bash them. You don't know what – that's the classic thing that all these, you know, that's what um, delinquent – I sound like such a bit – this is what delinquents say. Bro, you don't know what I've been through, man. You don't know what I've been through, man. So I'm allowed <laughs> to steal from you. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. There's probably people that have been through things worse than you. I hear that a lot in my work. You, yeah. don't, you don't know what I've been through, eh? And I don't. That's true. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what it's like to live yeah. the life you've lived, but I know that – Whatever life you've lived, it doesn't justify um, uh, causing pain towards Mm. other people. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you hear that a lot. (laughs) That's the the cry of the victim. You don't know what I've been through, eh? Yeah, yeah. do hear that quite a lot. And it is so hard to make people realise that, especially when it comes to matters of like, child abuse or just abuse in general that when someone says like often when we talk to the perpetrators and things like that or try to do some kind of work with them and try to unpack it with them and they're like no like I've gone through this or this happened to me so that's why I did this and blah 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 it's kind of it makes sense when you think about this and I just sometimes want to say to them like you know that if you just took full accountability and responsibility this whole process 
is going to be one tenth of the length it's actually going to be now. And secondly, it's going to be so much easier for you to grow from this when you learn, just admit and and accept that it's you and it's not the whole environmental, like environmental influences, of course, nature and nurture have a huge influence mm. on everything that happens. But it was when it's just this blatant denial and these people, I, I truly believe they genuinely think they're right and they actually think, mm. yes, I threw the child down the stairs. But do you know what I went through when I was eight? Like that kind yeah. of thing. So, Well, people who commit mm. heinous crimes almost always feel justified in whatever they've done. Yeah. And that's a scary thought when you truly unpack that yeah. and you really think about that. So whatever you've done in your life, we've all felt justified in however we've lived our mm. life. And they have that same mentality mm. for the time that they killed someone. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, of course I did it. It was because of that. It's never, oh, I did, I did do that bad thing. I did do that thing that was wrong. It was... It's so oh, scary. Innocent, <laughs> you can go down such like philosophical rabbit holes when you think about things like that, like justification with murder and things like that. And then we have laws in place. And then is every single person supposed to feel aligned to the laws that are in place and hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like what you find justifiable, I may not, but who who's right and who's wrong? Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, we are... Look, being human, I guess, is you're going to, if you're in a bad state and things, and people can be genuine victims and things mm. happen to you and then um, how you react. What is the, what's the quote? There's always, there's quite a few famous quotes about, you know, someone's true character isn't tested unless it's put under pressure. Essentially, yeah. they all say right. similar things to that, which is a very good point. It's, you may believe all these certain things. You may say, you know, you're a good person, you're kind, you're all these things. All right, let's see if you still are when there's a war, when there's a famine, yes. when someone's beaten up your brother or sister. Yeah. How kind are you going to be? Yeah. How good a person are you going to be? And no one, no one fully lives up to that, let's be honest. There's definitely times where I've been a victim and I've done things and that are objectively un unethical, not illegal, but <laughs> yeah. I've justified it in all sorts of, with all sorts of, um, through all sorts of narratives. Yeah. But you, you got to try and be aware of that and <laughs> um, analyze that. But look, let's um, let's conclude this by coming back to this question because I feel like we've divulged from this quite Sorry, a little Mitch. bit. <laughs> <But> <laughs> We've gone deep over here. There's not. It's not like he's asking us to unpack a lot. Uh, you know, yeah. a big uh, conundrum or any any sort of major topic. He's just asking what our opinion is on his situation, and I guess we have. Yeah, we have given that. If but... in the nutshell, if it feels right and you want to do it, then be in a new relationship. Don't worry about anything else as long as it's something that you're not going to be carrying baggage into a new relationship. That is related to your ex if, mm. if you're fresh out of a relationship. Yeah, don't overthink it and, and, and don't you can you can make your intentions as, as pure and truthful as possible without trying to force things. Mm. So you wanna make sure that she doesn't feel forced, but if she is seeking reassurance, you wanna offer that as well. So you wanna try and toe that line between reassurance without yeah. control. Yeah, just that's tell the, her where you're that's at. The word, just isn't tell it? her exactly where you're at. And good luck to you. It sounds like it's a 
going to be an exciting time being single and having a crush on someone else. That's always fun. And if you already have that underlying friendship, then I'm sure her any anxiety she has is going to be kind of quickly resolved because she'll know what you're like as a person. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the last part of the question, at what point can I start to feel confident that these are genuine feelings? How do I go about potentially discussing this with the world? Something like genuine feeling. If you're feeling it, it's a genuine feeling. Yeah, we feel. can't tell I, you I don't what know point. It's a genuine yeah. feeling. Um, I, 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 I suppose in that context he's asking, are they, you know, are they just sort of reactionary feelings yeah. where I'm just in this state of emotional flux because of this breakup and so I've got this fleeting desire for someone, but is it a really truthful – well, I mean, truthful is not the right way. Is it a very sort of – uh, potentially long-term sustained yes. emotion that you've yeah. had still yeah uh, if you say a couple of months that I sounds th- like a decent amount I of think time that's enough time like, i was I, think- I was well on back on the wagon after a couple of months <laughs> <laughs> back on the bike yes uh a couple of months definitely sounds you know like, are you still are your thoughts still consumed by your ex-girlfriend yeah. you know you, you ask yourself questions like that or if you're thinking about her a little bit, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think you need to be completely void of any thoughts of your ex to be able to move on. Mm. Um, uh, if you can feel like you can give your all emotionally to someone else, then I think you're fine to move on. I agree. And if you're still, you know, you're always going to think about all the exes you've had now yep. and again. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're if it's consuming your your world and you're prepared an to close that book on your ex forever because there's nothing worse than when you're in a new relationship and two months in your your ex is like hang on I'm having second thoughts and then you're torn choosing between partner A and partner B. Oof, that's so, a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. There. So just be <laughs> prepared. Once you enter a new relationship or start to. That's you close that chapter with your ex forever. Yeah, and then I would either send a you know a, not an essay but a nice um, detailed message, or just say, "Can we chat for over coffee and be yeah. upfront, be direct? Just say, look, this is how I'm feeling. I don't. If you do believe this, I don't think that it's a rebound. Um, if it's reassurance that you're looking for, I do really see myself wanting to be with you long term. Um, and just lay lay your cards on the table, but don't. You know, don't um, as we were saying earlier in the podcast, don't sort of set, don't set a emotionally needy tone. Yeah, nailed it. There we go. Good conclusion. Good conclusion. Um, I guess we can wrap this one up. You know, I I, I got a comment the other day, which uh, sorry, this might go for two or three minutes, but um. It's a really good point. He was saying, because I was making fun of people who will actually be really egotistical but then use these new self-worth concepts as a way to sort of give themselves a narrative where they are just displaying that confidence and that boundary. And someone made a really interesting comment, which is like, these people will accuse you of gaslighting when you're not actually gaslighting and they're then the ones that are gaslighting. Huh. I thought about it. And I'm like, all those terms, if you don't use them in the proper context, then you are that term. So if I, if we're in a relationship and I'm like, you know, you say something pretty reasonable to me, like, hey, I don't want you going out drinking every single night. I'm like, you're being controlling. And then suddenly you think to yourself, oh, my God, am I, am I actually being controlling? I guess I won't express myself in that way again. 
I'm the controlling one there in that situation, <laughs> right? So in, in the same way, yeah. it's like um, maybe out of nowhere you just get really angry and upset at me because I did something very minor, and I'm like, you're, ga- you're gaslighting. Like I didn't, I don't deserve this at all. Like th- th- this didn't happen. This crazy situation that you're reacting to, and then um, so sorry. Yeah, then I'm the one saying you're you're gaslighting, and you're like, fuck, am I actually? Am I a gaslighter? No, he's, he's making me think that. No, I actually, I, it's true. I did. So then that's the gaslighting. That's the person cycle. who said that your gaslighting is the person gaslighting. So just drop the terms. That. The sun just came in nice and. It's a bit blinding. We go, yeah, we got a bit. It's, it's right in the horizon. We'll end this one there. Um, thank you guys. Neilkahaka.com slash podcast. If you want to ask a question like me, look at that. There's beautiful rays coming onto us right now. It looks Usually, nice on you. It's just. <laughs> Got me right in the middle of my bloody <laughs> face. Dark, dark a little bit. There we go. Uh, we're going to get an, a nice set of lights soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with this one. There's a lot of things Ooh. I have to say about this light. Oh, so controlling. So controlling. So controlling. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. See you next week.